be on the screen. Alrighty, well, good morning. Um, and so it's Ephesians chapter 3 today. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the admission of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in order of generation which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has been now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I became a servant of his, this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the will of than, although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me. To preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which ages past has kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities all in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him he was able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that, that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all the generations, forever and ever. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3, that's where we're working from today. And also, uh, there is a service outline available in the newsletter, which um, has been emailed out. So, Ephesians chapter 3. When someone talks about a mystery, they're bound to get an audience, right? That's, that's why mystery shows on TV are so popular. There's the mystery of the sea, where you can find out any number of things like how fish reproduce or anything. There's the murder mystery, where you pit yourself and your powers of deduction against the hero of the show, trying to guess who the killer is before it's made clear. Then there's the mysteries of history, where 
New research sheds light on what was previously unknown, such as the tomb of Tutankhamun or the fate of Pompeii. And then there's my favourite, the mysteries revealed type shows, where the magician comes clean and reveals how they did the trick, how they managed to fool the audience. Well, the mystery discussion that we enter into today, in today's passage, is a bit like these things, but it's about God. When Paul refers to a mystery, he's talking about something which was previously hidden, but for which God has now given us all the information we need to come to a conclusion. We're looking at chapter 3 in our series on Paul's letter to the Ephesians, which you'll remember is the next part of our series, looking at Paul's journey uh, through the book of Acts. Paul spent a lot of time in Ephesus, and he wants them to be sure of their understanding, sure of their faith. Paul's intention is to make sure his readers have grasped the importance of the gospel. So he's a little wary of pressing on with his letter until he's sure they've grasped this important point. And you can see that in the very first verse, verse 1, see how the sentence doesn't actually end. Paul just trails off and begins a new paragraph in verse 2. So what was he going to say in verse 1? For this reason, he starts. For this reason? For what reason? The reason he's been writing about in the last part of the previous chapter. As Scott explained last week, Jesus Christ has brought both Jews and Gentiles together in a united church like a building in which God lives. And Paul's about to move on with that argument... But he stops short because what he spoke about in the previous chapter is so important that he feels he needs to have a go over it again in a slightly different way. Like a good teacher, Paul is going to find a different way to express it. You may remember that, don't you? How when you had a problem and the teacher was trying to explain it and you weren't quite getting it, the teacher would come at it from a different approach to give you another chance to buy in. In chapter 2, Paul used an engineering analogy, that is, Christ is the cornerstone and you're all being built up into God's building and God dwells in it. But in this chapter, he's going to teach it a different way around the idea of mystery. So let's look from verse 2. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading this, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. There's a lot of use of the word mystery three times in verses 2 to 6. Now, a mystery is captivating, but perhaps even more so for the Ephesians because at that time, a common part of the religious observance among the pagan religions was getting higher knowledge in the same way as you might go up a grade in martial arts In some Greek religious ceremonies, followers were encouraged to gain insight 
or revelation or have higher knowledge and usually by beating themselves up or cutting themselves so that the God could give them some extra knowledge. It sounds grotesque, but that's just what we know about. In another Greek tradition, the initiation ceremony took part in a cave. That's all I can tell you because what actually happened in the cave wasn't even allowed to be written down. A secret ritual was highly desirable in the pagan religions of the day. But this is not what Paul wants. Quite the opposite. What we find out is that Paul wants everyone to know the mystery, to see behind the curtain, so to speak. In verse 3, Paul points out that he's already written briefly about it. That's true. In fact, this is his third go at writing about the mystery. To the Ephesians. In chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, Paul says the mystery is to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In chapter 2, verse 13, Paul says it's that those who were far away from the kingdom of God have now been brought into the kingdom by the blood of Christ. And that's what he says here too. The third explanation of the mystery in Ephesians is here in verse 6. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. So that's the mystery revealed. Paul is saying, the secret's out, team. Whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, the only way you become part of God's kingdom is by the blood of Jesus Christ. Unity in Christ is the mystery revealed. For Gentiles and Jews who are confused by the laws and the prophets, the explanation is not to strain for more knowledge, but to look to Jesus to make sense of the world. Jesus is how we make sense of the world. And like the climax of a mystery novel, this revelation is the twist that sits people right back in their seats. See, in verse 6, Paul says, we are heirs together. We are one body. We are sharers together. Previously, Paul used that engineering type imagery like building, foundation, access, But here in verse 6, Paul puts up three more examples to help Christ's followers understand. Heirs together, that is the example of family. Through the gospel, everyone in the world can come into the same family by faith. Members of one body, he says, that is the example of anatomy. Christ provides us a body to join with different parts making up the whole and sharers together that is the example of community we are sharers together heirs together members together of the one body the individual can only go so far god has united us in christ we don't have partial knowledge on this right waiting to join the inner sanctum to get more knowledge, the knowledge we crave. No, we have full knowledge. It's like the end of the mystery show where the mystery is explained. There's nothing more to explain. You can see the way 
Paul labours this point, just how important it is to him that everyone gets this. Jesus makes the way for us to access God's kingdom. He is the only way. And you know what? Paul goes for it again. Verses 10 to 12, explaining the mystery again. Look with me from verse 11. It's according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. God's purpose for eternity is something that Christ has already accomplished. This again is a swipe at the mystics, those who want to know more, who think there's still more to be done, that we need to access some password or phrase or incantation before we can say that we're really Christian. And it's a swipe at some people today who say that Christians need more than the Bible, that Christians rise through the ranks as they have some sort of divine revelation. No wonder Christians today are led astray in some circles, led into thinking that the gospel is just kindergarten. But no, the secret is out. Paul makes it plain that in verse 12, which I'm suggesting is the memory verse for today, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Can we say it together? In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. It's a good one to learn this week or to stick on your bathroom mirror. Faith in Christ gives people freedom and confidence to approach God. We see it when the Bible says we can call God Daddy, Abba Father. We're not just given a magic spell to invoke God to act in our lives. Rather, we're given the confidence to approach God in the same way as a child might interrupt their dad in the middle of some sort of live stream or Zoom session. Even with the barest amount of knowledge, we have freedom and confidence to approach God because it's not about how much we know, it's about what Jesus Christ has already accomplished. Now that Paul has re-explained the mystery again and again, he goes on to provide a little bit more detail and provide some further explanation for the followers of Christ. Have a look from verse 8, halfway through verse 8. This grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. See, this mystery might leave you feeling a little left, let down. That's the mystery? That's it? Our access to God is through Jesus Christ? Well, well that's, that sounds a bit basic. I already knew that. Well, if that's you and you already knew that, then thank God for that. You understand what people longed to know about for thousands of years before the arrival and death of Christ. Now Paul encourages us to share this amazing mystery as it ripples out into the world. 
Paul's job is to preach it, or as he puts it, to make it plain to everyone. It's a good definition of preaching. It's not complex. The mystery is now revealed. Paul's job and the job of every preacher is to make the mystery plain to people. It was hidden for a time, Paul says in verse 9, but now look at verse 10. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. The wisdom of God is being made known to the heavenly authorities, that is, the spiritual powers, evil and good. And how are they going to understand the many and varied strands of God's wisdom? Verse 10 tells us it will be displayed through the church. The full extent of God's revealed mystery, the unsearchable riches of God's grace aren't made known unless they're displayed through the church. The angels and all the good heavenly beings, well, they know that God is king, but they look at the display and they find out more about God through what they see happening in the church. The demons and evil powers know that God is king too. But they must be constantly surprised when they see that God's kingship is exercised through the work of fallen people. Fallen people who the demons must have considered once were on their side. To put it another way, our actions, our actions as a church are educating angels and demons about just what God is like, about just how great God is. You might have thought the church was just a get-together on Sundays, but the church is the evidence, the display of God's wisdom for all to see. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel like I shouldn't be missing out on an opportunity to get involved in church. It makes me feel that when I love my church family, when I work together with my church family, when I guide my church family to reveal and display God's grace to the world, then I am living my best life. To put it another way, the church displays the many and varied strands of God's wisdom. Like a rich tapestry or an orchestra. And each bit doing its part to contribute to the overall richness of the presentation. And the great thing about this mystery is that it makes our unity all the richer. We're rich when we combine all the peoples of this world, all the flavours of this world, all the God-given strengths of every Christian united. Just like a tapestry, it would make no sense if all the strands of a tapestry were white. So too, we are all different, but Christ unites us into a beautiful display, a beautiful symphony We display God's wisdom by combining the value of each Christian in our group. Our group here in Port Macquarie, our group in the church across the world, 
we show off the amazing implications of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. That's why I understand the work of the church to be the work of every church member in every place, every minute of the day and night. It wouldn't make sense for 170 church members to fold the washing for your family, but when you do it, that's the work of the church. It wouldn't make sense for 150 people to gather over your back fence and say in unison the gospel to your neighbour over the fence. But when you do that, that is the work of the church. And when you contribute your time and your money for God, your resources for God, even when you're alone, that is the work of the church. And it's not just about the visible things either. Did you see the heavenly authorities are witnessing what the church does? The heavenly authorities can't just see the physical. The heavenly authorities can see the spiritual dimension. So if verse 10 tells us that God is on display through the church to the spiritual realms then that means the work of the church includes spiritual pursuits. When you pray and you pray alone, that's the work of the church. When you read the Bible, even if you're alone, that's the work of the church. When you take time to think about God, when you go to church, when you concentrate, that's the work of the church. And when you suffer as a Christian, as Paul says he did, That's the work of the church. That's why in verse 13, Paul can say his suffering is the church's glory. Verse 13, I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. What that means is the church benefits from having you, even if you're having a hard time. It can't be as varied without you. God's wisdom can't be as fully displayed without you. You, therefore, have a responsibility to be part of the church. So God's amazing variety and his wisdom can be displayed in full. Well, if that's the case, and the church is the display of God... And my work is part of the display of God and your work is part of the display of God, then the church needs help. And that's why Paul's response is prayer. Verse 14, he says, for this reason, no, he starts again, just like verse 1, for this reason I, he's now going on. He takes up the point he was going to make in verse 1, for this reason I kneel and pray. Prayer is to be our response, whether in one room together or dispersed and in our own homes. Prayer is to be our response to this great revelation of mystery. Paul's prayer includes three things he wants God's people to possess. And it's a great model for us to follow in prayer too. Let's have a look. He prays for followers of Christ to have power. Verse 16, I pray that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. 
And having this power, he prays for followers of Christ to have love. Verse 19, to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Again, Paul's taking a dig at those who would try to chase knowledge as the goal. We don't chase knowledge for knowledge's sake. The mystery has already been revealed. And if we are to know anything more, Paul tells us that we should know love, which surpasses all knowledge. Christ loves us, and he makes the way for us to join his kingdom through faith. And if we know that, all other knowledge is surpassed by love. And Paul's prayer is for Christ's followers to be mature. See verse 19, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What an amazing possibility. It seems like it's more than one person could handle, which again is why it takes the whole church to begin to display the fullness of God. So power, love, maturity. Could God really give our church these things? Power, love, maturity. Could God really give you these things? Paul answers the question in verse 20. The answer is resoundingly yes. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or even imagine. The question for us is this. Is God's power at work in our church? What what might we need to do to better show the variety of God's wisdom in our community? As members of church, it's now up to you to unite under Christ and to display his many and varied wisdom to all those who can perceive it. Because in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, give us this confidence, this power, this love and maturity that we need to do your work on earth. Lord, it's a huge responsibility to be the display of your wisdom on earth and in heaven. Lord, I feel like we need more to be up to this task. So, Lord, please bless us with this love, with this power and with this maturity so that we can better represent you in the communities in which we work. And, Lord, I pray as Christ has given us unity that we may embrace this unity and live together in love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.